Welcome to That Shady Buffalo Podcast, a podcast about unimportant things that, for some reason, are important to us. I'm your host, David Cole, and this week we're talking about Star Wars um, Rogue One, isn't it? Star Rogue, Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Yeah, I couldn't remember where the story part went. <laughs> I knew it was somewhere in there. So if you cannot tell, that was John Crabtree. We have John Crabtree joining us again as he joined us with Solo, a Star Wars story. So he's here for the Star Wars stories. As our third guest, we have Caleb Wright. Caleb, how's it going? Good. Excited to be here. Yeah. We're happy to have you. Happy to have John. As we know, like, I'm curious to see Caleb and John's back and forth. Because me and John have had lots of fun back and forth. But I know that Caleb and John can also have some really interesting banter here. So, <laughs> yeah. To uh, I'm excited. <laughs> to, to put our relationship in, into... Uh, or our, our friendship, I should say, into perspective. Um, I was the best man in Caleb's wedding. And now Caleb and I's wife are better friends than Caleb and I are. So, you know, <laughs> that, that really tells a lot about us and probably yeah, that's, everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that about says it. <laughs> no, we're good friends that can banter better than most. So it'll be that's, fun. Hey, that's going to be good stuff. Okay. So, Again, talking about Rogue One. So before we jump into the actual movie, let's just talk about our initial thoughts. The first time watching it, right? The first raw thoughts was as a Star Wars fan can sometimes be kind of all over the board. I've been to a, a, to a like in a position where I watched a movie and be like, this is amazing. And then watched it and it slowly drops a little bit more and a little bit more. And I've had the reverse happen where I watched a movie and I'm like, I don't think I like this movie. And then the more I watch it, the more I'm like, okay, start to settle in and enjoy things in it. Rogue One is one of that second form where when I first watched it, I was so unsure and then uh, realized I wasn't sure I liked it. And so then I, I watched some reviews. I actually watched it again. And I was like, yeah, I don't think I like this one that much. It's, it's fine. I, I didn't like hate it, but I was like, I don't think I like it that much. I think it's probably just like a totally mediocre movie. And since then, I've watched it, I think, four times total. And on this rewatch, I will say I, uh, I won't spoil like my overall thoughts or scoring and that kind of thing but i think this is the most i've liked it ever so um not that i'm like 10 out of 10 best stars movie ever but i went from thinking it was like a five or a six probably like a five or a six to now where i'm like in a good place where i'm like i can enjoy the good parts of this movie even though there are certain things that i probably never like so that's kind of where i started with the movie and now where i'm at uh john what about you how what were your like initial takeaways and then your journey through however many watches you've watched this movie so I actually had two first watchings, first viewings <laughs> of this film, um, which to put that, to, to explain myself, as I guess I should, um, <laughs> the first time I watched it, I watched it uh, right after it came out at the IMAX at the State Museum. And I was there with one of my coworkers and high school friends, Isaac Paris, and we were watching it. And then for some reason, 
we, I thought we had like a family emergency and I left right before, like right as the X-Wings are flying in on the Edu raid. Edu oh, raid. Almost like almost dead center. Sure. Yeah, dead center. Like they hadn't even attacked <laughs> the base yet. They were flying in and it was like, no, you need to come to this now. And it was not an emergency. <laughs> it was dinner at Texas Roadhouse. So then I watched it on my iPhone later and I thought it was amazing. <laughs> and I'm still really hot on it. And uh, if, if you couldn't tell from previous Star Wars episodes, I really like Star Wars and I'm hard, I'm hard pressed to be a downer on it. Um, but yeah, I've probably seen this movie about 10 times since it came out and wow. love it See? every time. That's legitimately one of my favorite things about you is that like I can't turn off the critical side of me sometimes and I'm trying to do better in franchises and th- things that I like like if a band puts an album out I'm, I want to try to like it. if it's a band that I like you know if it's a franchise that I like I want to try to like it sometimes you, I just can't get over that there are times where it's just like not going to be possible but you have just an amazing knack for like just be like yeah sure there's, look on the sure there's some issues here or there but like whatever and i still really love it so that's great except for thor love and thunder that was trash oh it's good <laughs> John, you were doing okay. so well <laughs> never mind i take it all back <laughs> so caleb what about you what are your first like thoughts on this uh on, on rogue one yeah i can't like specifically remember the first time i want to say it was like over at my parents house my dad is like the reason i'm <laughs> the reason i enjoy star wars and then yeah. the two younger yeah, brothers it was like yeah that's fair um <laughs> um but yeah so with two younger brothers star wars has always been kind of a bigger uh thing in our house you know just we've always enjoyed it so i'm pretty sure i was there at my parents house we were all watching it like my first thoughts were like definitely positive about it i kind of went into it with this thing this thought process of i'm just going to take this at face value because it's not, it's so different. It's not a Clone Wars. It's not a TV series. This is not a like main Star Wars sequels, but this is still along the lines of, I mean, this was the second thing done since the prequels, really. This was the second thing that Disney had put out. So I was like trying to have an open mind about it and I enjoyed it. I really did enjoy it. I, I kind of found it to be a little bit slow. I remember thinking on my first watch until you kind of got to that third act with everything going on so yeah that kind of that third act really pushed me into i was i was more positive about this movie than anything yeah i I would like to say um to put in perspective how big of a fan caleb's dad is um (laughs) i wasn't allowed to play with star wars toys at the house that's that's how big of a fan because because they're original 80s uh star wars toys they're the full-on kenners in the box ladies and gentlemen (laughs) <laughs> nice okay so let's go ahead and jump into the first act let's try to cover everything basically until Jin and saw everyone gets to saw guerrera's temple so we'll start at the very beginning and go in order but we're going to kind of try to cut off somewhere around there so um my first reaction to this most recent viewing is that the opening is super strong it's very star wars a lot of traditional star wars sounds and some of the musical themes and motifs that are played during this is all during the, like the flashback not flashback but like the sequence that is before the time jump we get to back to adult Jin, so when she's a child um that scene i really enjoy um you get to introduce your introduction into two of the most important characters in the movie um krennic and galen or so and then you get Jin introduced as a child 
Um, and it just feels super Star Wars to have these death troopers come down and very intimidating and very like, and, and Krennic following the like mantra of like, oh no, we're not, you know, we're not bad guys. Like, what, what do you mean? Like, and uh, the whole, his head had a line. I don't remember exactly, but it's basically Galen said like, we were trying to have peace. No, no, Krennic says like, I, I come in peace or something, something like we're here for peace. And Galen's like, well, you have terror and fear. And he's like, well, you start somewhere. It's <laughs> just like, <laughs> we don't see I die on this. And maybe we'll get to peace eventually when I control everything. <laughs> but it's just a very, like, it feels so Star Wars to me. I, I my, see my favorite quote of that whole thing was, is the farming, really? Yeah. Really. A man of your talents. <laughs> so judgmental. Yeah. But, well, and, you know, they, they do a really good job with Krennic um, making him being the cocky menace that yeah. he is. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, and then also the death troopers look awesome. So cool. cool. Yeah. So it's like they are everything that stormtroopers should be. I mean, <laughs> they true. are just amazing. Yeah. Even down to the fact that like they didn't, they talked, but they didn't talk, you know, like yes. they had the whole scrambling or whatever they yes. do so with only that. They know what they're saying to each other. Yeah. It just made them like a very, like almost Darth Vader presence of like, this is just cool and also yeah. really intimidating. Yeah. And from there, like anything else on the opening scene before you just, I'm just going to keep moving. But the, I will say that's one of the most beautiful shots in Star Wars when Krennic's ship is flying yeah. in uh, around the, around the planet with the rings. Yes. Um, that's, and that is the immediate first scene that we see. And it's just fantastic. Yeah. Uh, it'll be a recurring theme for me that the visuals in this movie, for some reason in the past, I've been like, yeah, there's some cool visuals here and there. Jedi has some cool shots and you know the space battle at the end has some cool shots i was like almost every scene has at least a shot and i'm like that's gorgeous mm-hmm. it's very well shot very visually appealing very star wars visuals um which most star wars movies do a pretty good job with visuals so it's not really a new thing but i think this one does stand um, you know maybe not at the top but like somewhere in the top few in terms of just like having really great cinematic visuals um probably like probably 15 different or 20 different times you could just screen grab and pause you know like and screenshot the the image and be like that's gorgeous you know so that's that's pretty typical um and then from there we get really like rolling really hot and heavy really fast um well and without a without an opening crawl either yeah that's another thing too that i don't mind that necessarily but no, it was just interesting and an interesting choice for it. I feel like the crawl maybe could have actually saved them from this issue that I have in the very beginning, where they, because you see Jen as a child, you get some some little bits of character information of her as a child, but not very much. And then all of a sudden you see her so much later. And most of the other character information you get from her past is given in exposition of like, oh, well, you were with Saw, or oh, you, were, you did this, or oh, like, and it's not really relevant to her in the now. It's relevant to her as a teenager. And so we don't always get, we don't always get to see the things that would inform her as a character. And so because of that, we spent all this time jumping around from planet to planet to planet, getting this plot set up. And like John said, we see, you see, first of all, you see four planets in 11 minutes and then five in like 13 and a half, like 13 something. It's just past 13. So five different locations in just over 13 minutes is dizzying 
And, and one of those, I mean, it technically could be six because we don't know where her prison cell is. Yeah, I, ca- I just counted. Yeah. I, I just assumed the cell in the carryall or whatever, the, yeah. the troop transport was the same planet. Yeah. But, if it, if it, but if they're not, it's six planets. Yeah. Because it's not clear. And so I think they could have just had a crawl. They could have had uh, a crawl setting up like Jin in prison, setting up like what Jin's been up to, and then jump into that casino for her as a kid and then just cut right to her getting like broken out of prison like have her wake up as if it's a dream and then okay now they're here to get out of prison yeah um they could have saved you some time there although you still have to set up there's still just so much to set up with krennic and tarkin and what's going on with the two of them and then cassian and so there are as part of the thing with the movie is because we spend so long before everyone gets together as a group um you don't really get to know them as a group as well as you would like yeah. so like one of my biggest comparisons was movie fury have you guys seen fury yes. the tank movie i have not so it's a tank movie and if i remember right from the beginning basically the protagonist joins the crew mm-hmm. in the opening of the movie and then mm-hmm. that crew is together the entire movie so you get to see them develop a chemistry their characterization is through their um interactions as a group and so when they when they have um disputes or when they have times of being there for one another and different character moments as a group you understand it because they've been together the entire movie in this movie some character moments we'll get to later i don't want to like dump it too far ahead where i'm like why would they feel that way about each other or why would they say that to each other or why would they care about this or that or the other because we haven't been shown why they would very well and so i think it's like one of my recurring bits of of a thread of an issue in this movie and this whole movie takes place in like a day, a day. And a half. I mean, other than, yeah. like no one gets yeah. any sleep. <laughs> Jim does. She wakes up. Oh yeah, from yeah. her, from her yeah. cell. Jim gets a nap and then gets another nap when she gets knocked out. Yeah, basically yeah. the worst prison escape ever. Yeah, because they all die. Yeah. yeah. So oh, yeah, that's true. Good lord. Yeah. So because it is, it's probably just over a day, but like. No, it has to be more than a day. You know, they probably would have escaped if uh, no more than if, two. If they had a good eight hours. Yeah, they need more sleep. They, <laughs> they need eight hours. And they would have. That's made why it. they collapsed at the end. Yeah. Not, not, not because they had been through a lot. They, they, they could have just ran. They could have just walked. <laughs> <laughs> like, we can't escape this best door blast. We got to just. We're too tired. We're yeah. just too tired. <laughs> so. So I think we're done. That's it, right? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for watching or uh, for listening to uh podcast well, this week <laughs> Ezra laughing yeah so um the one other thing so they break out i'm gonna keep moving if you have something to add in that i've skipped just let me know we can go, we, we can always go back and forth so when they break Jin out right they bring her to yavin four with the rebels they're interrogating her a little bit having a little bit back and forth kind of toying with her that they know who she is they know her past whatever I don't totally understand Saul and the rebels relationship in this movie um, and Jin's also. So there's like a three person, a three faction um, relationship where it's Jin and then the rebels and then Saul and his um, partisans. So they tell her basically that they they don't, they can't even communicate with Saul. They're afraid that if they send an agent to Saul, that he will kill the agent. Mm-hmm. That he will kill the rebels. And I'm always just like, the song that I've ever seen anywhere other than this movie wouldn't just kill a rebel. Like, yeah, he's paranoid in this movie, I guess, but like, you don't ever know why. 
Yeah. And that character that that character choice just make him wildly different than what we see in the Clone Wars, even though it's been a while. It, it's just kind of extreme of a jump. Well, I mean, we start so we see it a little bit in uh, Rebels. Yeah. Like he, yes, he, in he, Rebels. Starts, he starts losing it in Rebels. Did that come his appearance in Rebels happened after Rogue One though, didn't it? I, th- I think it did. I, I think it did, but yeah. I, don't, I don't remember 100. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you're right. So, like, yeah, they're kind of again. It's a classic. Now, I adore Star Wars. This is classic Star Wars. Like, we're gonna make this wild character change, and then we're gonna make it work by adding in animated stuff later, and, and go back and fill it in, fill in the gaps, and we're gonna go back and here's this book that will fill in the gaps. And I love all of that. But like, if they can just tell a story the right way all the way through from beginning to end, once be really fun. <laughs> and that's what happens since the beginning. To be fair, like. Luke kisses Leia, and they had to like figure that out, you know. So it's it's not a new sequel problem. This is a Star Wars thing that they've been doing forever, where they just like do these crazy character things because it's cool, and then like wait a minute, we need to fix that later, and they fix it with Clone Wars or with Rebels or with. The great thing now, though, is Saul Guerrero is basically in, a, in the same amount of intellectual property as Darth Vader. He's in everything. So- <laughs> There's Carson's, Carson's favorite meme is the flex the flex tape. Where they slap the flex tape on the big thing of water, and it's just like it's just like Star. Is it is it Star Wars? Is as a uh, Phil? Is that his name? Yeah, Phil Swift. And Star Wars as Phil, and then the tape he's putting on is just Saul Guerrero, and he's like fixing like any Star Wars thing, yeah. like, Star Wars properties. So it's just, like classic. So off of that, this might come off weird, but to be honest, <laughs> I don't really think that any of Saw's stuff needs to be in the movie. They could have easily. Movie. The pilot could have easily come had a message from Jin's dad. Jin still needed to have been involved because it's her father. And then they go and find her dad. The whole sequence with Saw, as cool as it is at blowing up and everything, yeah. I'm with you there that Saw's character is weird. And the whole concept to me is like adding a, like, I don't know, another like mission to go and do yeah, that really isn't needed. Yeah, the, the side quest of this is not needed whatsoever. Yes. I was going to say, it's, it's very video yeah. game. Which it, is yeah. it, it accomplishes picking up Chariot and Bays, it, but that's it. <laughs> well, <laughs> what they could have done, though, very easily, they could have done is basically made Cassie and, and Jin get to Jeddah more close to the time that um, Bodhi gets to Jeddah, and mm-hmm. Bodhi's trying to find Saul, can't find Saul, Jin and and Cassian are trying to find Saul, can't find Saul. There's the maybe the, that skirmish with his partisans. So they find the partisans and they're like, maybe you can follow them back. And then the Deathstar Blast happens. And you never even see Saul because the Deathstar Blast happens. And as it's happening, Cassian or someone sees Bodine. He's like, he's in a freaking cargo pilot uniform. He's the pilot. We had to grab him on our way the out. The pilot, the pilot. And it's just the like pilot. dumb. Yeah, exactly. It's just like <laughs> dumb luck they find him instead of being like, Hey, are you the pilot? Oh, yeah, no, I'm the pilot. Are you the pilot? Are you sure you're the pilot? <laughs> yeah, I'm the pilot. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> you mean you don't want to talk about? And you also cut Borgullet. I know you were going there. I know you were going there. So I literally my Saul, my note Borgullet. just says I don't like Saw stuff, and then yeah. Borgullet. That's all yeah. I have is my. Point. The thing that makes me so mad about about that scene, not to mention the fact that it's super weird and creepy. But the fact that Saul makes a big deal about this thing will tell the truth or not tell the truth. And then they still imprison him. Yeah. And they still imprison him. And then he says, <laughs> but regardless, it's going to destroy your mind. And then he's fine. Like, yeah. he's just slightly, later, he's just slightly he's, stressed. Again, yeah. no yeah, sleep. Yeah, exactly. No sleep. I think you can take <laughs> no sleep. Gosh, I think you can take it as he says something like they, they tend to lose their mind. 
which means to me, I I took it as like, he kind of started to lose his mind. And because he asked, I was like, Hey, you're the pilot, right? Some reason being a pilot is so central to his identity and it brought him back to himself, which like, okay, whatever. But it's just like, I don't love the, the development of, of Saul. I don't love, I uh, hate Borgullet. I don't love. I don't think Saul has any development. Well, I mean, from, from Clone Wars oh, to this. Yeah. From Clone Wars to this, his change. Yeah. And also the, the choice from uh, uh, almost to Lawrence Fishburne. Um, I can't remember his name right now. It'll come to me later. The choice from the actor and then the director just never saying like, hey, maybe like pull it back just a little bit. Like he's very over the top, very like whisper yell. Like, just very strange choice. And I'm just like, I don't know why you had to go there with it. Also, I would just like to point out that we, we've we seen a lot of people lose limbs and various appendages yeah. um, in this universe. And none of them have a cane. <laughs> <laughs> so I think they need to get better insurance with the partisans. Well, did he lose two? <laughs> both of his legs? He's lost both of his legs. So, But I mean, so did Vader. Vader is very, very strong. Yeah, but and I he mean, lots of hate. There, there's a lot of, I mean, he clearly has a lot of hate. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Forrest, Forrest Whitaker. Yeah, Forrest, Forrest Whitaker. Whitaker. Yeah, yes. No, I'm trying to remember that. So yeah, you got to remember the eye. Yeah. Well, yeah, sure. So, anyways, I do I think, think that some of the partisans are cool. So there's some cool stuff there. If you're a big fan yeah. of that, I'm not trying to, to yuck your yum, but not for me. <laughs> well, and the, like I said, it does get us Basin Turret. And then we also get, you can get Basin Turret a different yeah. way, but yes, you're right. Yeah. yeah. We get some, amazing k2so moments I mean, yeah somehow we skipped, skipped, skipped yeah we just skipped him all together my favorite character the best in the entire part of the movie. entire movie yeah um which we need to come up come up with our favorite k2so lines maybe at the end or something like that he he is just like start to finish funny oh every yeah. line and it's never like now it's never cheesy funny it's never cheesy funny it's also never like a big thing where you are very aware of the joke like some of the stuff I don't, I don't hate the beginning of Last Jedi, but there's some stuff in there where they're trying really hard to make jokes. And I'm like, it comes off very MCU, right? Where they're like just putting jokes in where there's not a natural spot for them. Yeah. K2SO, it feels natural. And maybe part of it is that we're used to C3PO having unintentional jokes. So K2 is being more intentional is like just like a, prog- like a progression. And maybe it makes it not stand out as much, but whatever it is, it works really well. Yeah, yeah they, the, I, I think it's a part where they kind of explain, like, when we reprogrammed him, this, this is course. a side effect. Yeah. yeah, like, this is a part of it. And plus, he's the only comedic relief in the entire movie besides <laughs> Chirrut Chirrut has saying, a couple moments. I'm blind. Well, he has a couple moments. Even. <laughs> Why are you putting a bag over my head? <laughs> yeah, that, that, are you kidding me? I'm, I'm blind. blind. <laughs> that's, like, that's probably the deepest, like, that's, like, the biggest laugh I get probably yeah. in, in the movie. But he has a couple of the moments that are, that, are, that are comical, but he's not a pure comedic relief character. In K2SO, I wouldn't say it's totally 100% that, but he's like 85% comedic relief. Um, so yeah, I'm glad to have Bazin Chirrut. I really love Bazin Chirrut. I won't spoil my thoughts on the end of the movie, but um, had some changes on how I feel about Bazin Chirrut a little bit. Um, I've always like, thought they were totally fine, but I think there were some of my favorite... I, I think for me, it's Cassie and K2SO are the, my favorite two characters, and then it's Bazin Chirrut. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to I mean, get anybody else. Mon Mothma's definitely I mean, top I, ten. I'm thinking, of like, I'm thinking of new new characters for this movie. Yeah. I would say, yeah. um, and critics maybe maybe up there probably with Vaz and Jared or even above Vaz and Jared. But it's just I don't know. 
I with gin, I, I don't have a problem with gin. I actually like gin, but she just gets so little. She to doesn't do. shine as much. I just don't give her enough to do. I don't think. But so we are really pretty much up to obviously we went kind of went past the meeting saw a little bit, which is fine. Um, yeah, we can skip that. One other thing, <laughs> one other big thing that I realized. So Jenna, visually amazing, mm-hmm, cheered mm-hmm. amazed. I, I always said really great. Um, but love the fallen Jedi yeah. statue carvings and the action stuff on Jedi, all very good. Yeah. yeah. Except for if you incl- if you count Morgala as action, then that's not good. But <laughs> if you don't, then it's fine. You have um, taste. What you do. I mean, it's kind of something. I don't know. But I will say, I am so confused. Why Saw Guerrera has like his whole setup just locked in on Jeddah and they are invading Jeddah to get the Kyber Crystals, the Empire is, and no one's like actively hunting Saw and he's paranoid, but like he's having like an open like bar type setup with people celebrating after the after the attack, and there don't seem to be any like fear for being found. Like he's paranoid about having spies infiltrate his base. But why is he not worried about the Empire just like finding him and blasting him to crap? That's what happens. Yeah. <laughs> but like, <laughs> but like, that's they don't technically ever find him. He's so easily. he's so worried about spies. He's missing the obvious. Like, they're just gonna blow you away. Like, also for a man who's like ninety percent robot, <laughs> you you think like his whole existence now is just like dedicated to hanging on to life. Yeah. And he just like, nope, I'm going to stand here and get exploded. I'm not like, going to run what, anymore. Like, what, what is that? Why, dude? Well, and then you he lends. This is your shtick, staying alive. He lends nothing else to the rest of the movie. It's like they leave, Saw's dead, and cool. We, yeah. we got the pilot. Yeah. That's what we wanted. Yeah, and Bay's Interior. It's like, we could have done something else with that. I don't know. I don't know what was so integral in bringing him in. And there's the other thing is that if you're not aware of this as a listener, um, I know you guys are, but. If the listeners aren't aware of this, this movie had some weird changes with the, um, like, well, they had reshoots. Basically, they brought in a guy who's known as a script doctor, like, comes in and, like, he's very well known for this. He's really good at it. I don't remember his name right now, but he's very, like, good at doing this, coming in and, like, fixing movies in the edit and re-editing things. And so we, we know 100% they changed a lot of stuff at the end. But I don't know if they changed anything else. So there's a chance that maybe there's just more f- from Saul and they just changed it. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but I know that there are a lot of things with, with Solo in, in Rogue One that were changed because of issues that they, whether whether real or perceived by Disney and Lucasfilm. And from what I understand, it's just Lucasfilm, not really Disney, but whatever. It doesn't really matter. Um, there's some changes there. So we don't know. Maybe Saul was more important in the original script. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he was much more important, but it's possible. So, but, I don't really know if I want him to be, though. No, I wouldn't either. Yeah. But. <laughs> Sorry, Saul fans. Yeah. Saul stands. The original yeah. script, they they take Borgullet with them. Yes. Yeah. They actually Gosh. leave Saul and take Borgullet. <laughs> actually, the new, Ca- <laughs> the new Cassian show is actually just a backdoor pilot for the Borgullet show. <laughs> <laughs> so the last thing the last thing for me before we leave jetta we'll probably just go and take a break but we'll leave we'll leave jetta and come when we come back uh an interesting note nothing that deep nothing that thought provoking but caskin says this is a first for me when he's locked up in saul's uh prison cell which means he cannot get locked up in a prison cell in cassian (laughs) 
<laughs> so, <laughs> it's, so I think it's locked up in a prison cell. It's in broken continuity. They've, yeah, they've mm-hmm. broken continuity, which Star Wars at times has some issues and they kind of fudge it and then they kind of like wave it away and make it work in some weird ways. If you want it to work, if you want to dislike it, then you can find a way to dislike it. If you want to excuse it, you can find a way to excuse it. It's not like um, X-Men where Fox is just like, screw it, we're doing whatever we want. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it has no, it is not like a new thing for Star Wars to have continuity issues. So You mean you don't expect casting to go into the world between worlds? <laughs> <laughs> hey, and you never know, but I'd, I'd be surprised. That's a deep cut for you Star Wars fans out there. Yeah. Go look it up. <laughs> <laughs> or don't. You know, it's not that big. That's pretty cool. Rebels yeah, yeah, Rebel, is pretty cool. Time travel. All right. So I think with that random mention of the world between worlds we will go ahead and take a break <laughs> we'll come back and move on past Saul and Jetta and all that mess and welcome back so we're going to go ahead and jump in now um, at this point they go back to Yavin 4 right before they go to, or do they go straight to Edu uh, they go straight to Edu. Okay. Straight to Edu. Yeah. So going to Edu to because they have the orders to kill Galen. Well, well Cassian, Cassian has. Cassian has. To yeah. Kill Galen. He tells them we're going to go get Galen, so we can get you know things figured out with this, with this. Um, because the we didn't really mention it, but Galen basically gives his message to Bodhi to give to Saul because he knows that Saul maybe would be easier to find than Jin. I guess. Um, it's kind of really backwards. He could have just given it to Bodhi to give to the rebellion I don't know whatever so Saul gets the message Jin hears the message but it's destroyed when Jedi is destroyed mm-hmm. well Jedi city is destroyed um, and the message is just pointing out that Galen has designed the Death Star to have the flaw that is abused and used to destroy Death Star and A New Hope so Which... they have to get that message to the rebellion they're both they're also assuming that maybe the rebellion wouldn't believe just Jen, but if Galen's there, maybe they'll believe Galen. My, I would also like to point out that I understand that the Death Star plans have to be quite large, like just in general, and that would probably be too big to send on a little Palm Pilot or whatever they have. But actually, you know what? I negate that statement because it's small enough that they just shove it into R2 and New Hope. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, he's got lots. He has he's a very sophisticated machine. But and and I understand that if Galen isn't allowed to keep the plans, but you know, it's honestly it feels like this whole concept of how to destroy the Death Star can be drawn out on a napkin. <laughs> it's like here's this spot. Go to this spot. Fire. Shoot a gun into that hole, <laughs> and you win. Well, the problem is. They have to fit. They have to land the plane on the tiny landing strip provided by New Hope, because this movie butts right up against it. So True. you can't just be like, "Oh, it's no big deal." When and then New Hope are like, "This is really hard." And Galen <laughs> probably didn't have enough sleep. He was probably, he probably still very sleep deprived. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure. He just overlooked it. So, uh, one of my first thoughts about Eden. First of all, really cool set. Um, just the design. I'm not, I'm not even sure if it's a set, but whatever. The plan looks really cool. But one of my first thoughts was that it was really lucky of the Rogue One cast, especially uh, Cassian, that Krennic decided to line up all of those scientists outside in the rain and not just inside. 
where they couldn't be shot by snipers or anybody. <laughs> really would have had to actually infiltrate something. Yeah, I was like, why didn't they just like have him? St- why did he bring them all outside? Like, even it, even on a sunny day, I'm not sure why they, why do you have to do that. But it's like <laughs> raining, it's like storming. Like, good reason to keep indoors, man. Well, and and the other thing is, you know, we have this very rainy planet. You know what? Star Wars already has a very rainy planet. Well, that doesn't stop them, John. They have like a 15 desert planets. That's true. So like having three or four raining planets is probably okay. Yeah, but to see like a, <laughs> a bunch of weird little bobas running around would be pretty cool. Also, you know, you, oh, so, so, so you want me to go to Camino? Yes. Yes, I would. I feel Please. like that'd be interesting. I agree with you on that. My problem with that, I think, is that um, if you can go to Camino, you it's higher stakes in terms of like what you have to show. It's more fan service we, we skipped over the fan service of Pondo Baba and Dr. Evazon. Um, but if you don't know who those are, it's the, I don't like you. He gets his arm cut off yeah. by Obi-Wan. He doesn't like you either. A New Hope. Uh, New Hope guys. So <laughs> Which somehow miraculously survived the Holocaust of Jeddah <laughs> and make it to the cantina on Tatooine. Yeah. So there's that. Um, <laughs> slightly off topic, but here think, we are. I think Camino would have just been even more fan service, um, also more like stakes in terms of what you have to like. You can't just on a whim do Camino. You, can't it. you have to yeah. like it has to be well done because fans are going to be expecting it to be here. So yeah. a little more stakes, I think, is part of the thing. So, um, but I mean, it would have been cool. You're not wrong. So um, with either though cool scene for character stuff i guess this is one of the few character moments because you have Jin and cassian getting into it a little bit at the end you have a critic and a critic <laughs> um cheer it clearly knowing that cassian's tr- going to try to kill uh um galen right yeah so you finally get a little bit of character information but part of the reason why you don't get a whole lot is they're always on the on the move right so because of that, you're not really, you don't really have time to slow down and give them this development. Um, anything else? I mean, you get Galen's death. So it is an important scene. And I do like seeing like Cassian struggle with the decision. Um, the fact that like basically no one was on his side. Yeah. <laughs> Some interesting stuff. But I, I do really like in this scene. Um, I, I like when they first come in uh, and they have to stay below the radar line and, you know, they end oh, up yeah. trashing the, um, the beautiful U-wing. U-wing. Yeah. Like that, that, this is the first episode or the first show we ever see the U-wing in. And that's, that's probably like a top 10 ship for me. It's a pretty cool ship. Yeah. It looks so beautiful. Um, also, just the fact that Critic is very unhinged and extremely calculated at the same time with yeah. killing all the other scientists because at this point he really doesn't need them. Yeah. And unless, you know, they were the only hope of figuring out what the flaw of the Death Star was, <laughs> but um, <laughs> that, that whole scene is amazing. Um, although with them flying under the radar, that kind of, it doesn't make sense why they don't even see the X-Wings coming. They're like coming because, in hot. Yeah, they're coming in hot and there's no issues whatsoever there. Um, <laughs> also, the X-Wings don't do that much damage. Like that landing platform is completely intact and, yeah. and to the point where... Krennic can like, still fly Krennic, off. Yeah, Krennic's ship's totally fine. How do you miss that? <laughs> <laughs> that's the first thing on... That's like you, you, have to, you have to shoot over it to hit, to hit everything else. 
Aim for the um, line of people, half of which are, have been shot just recently. Yeah. But miss exactly. the ship. Yeah. yeah, just aim for the smoky bits of the people, and then you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Krennic looks amazing, though, in this scene oh, yeah. with his cape. Yeah. Uh, fun fact, when they were, like, picking out his outfit that he was going to wear his costume, um, he said, I really want a cape. And they said, well, only Vader really has a cape, so you're probably not going to have a cape. And he was like, but I really want a cape. You're not going to get one, and he goes, "What if we made it white?" And he goes, "Okay, fine." <laughs> so that was I think his that's purple a, lightsaber. Yeah, I think that's a perfect addition to his character of like he's striving so hard to be more than he is. Yeah. yeah. So oh, yeah. just just that little piece, like totally, like it nails his character even more for me. Oh yeah. So I think that's probably good to move on, unless anyone has anything else to add about Edu. It's a cool little bit, but I mean. It, I would just like to say, sure, it's able to take out a TIE fighter. Oh, that's a cool with shot. His... With, with, with his light bow. Yeah. So cool. that <laughs> later in the movie, like does all it nothing. does is just drop a, a stormtrooper. It doesn't like propel Blast him across the building. TIE fighters are incredibly fragile. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> They're made of fossil wood. <laughs> yeah. I think they are, like they're used in science experiments. Yeah. Science Not, experiments. not really on Edu, but like as they're leaving, I. I really like how Jin and Cassian and kind of their relationship, they don't make some like massive misunderstanding or something as like a plot device. It's just, it's there. They kind of both accept what happened. Oh yeah. Jin, Jin never like at any point like runs up and punches him or anything for like almost yeah. killing her dad. She's just, it's kind of her coming to terms with what the rebellion really means and Cassian coming to terms with maybe I've been going a bit too far yeah. in what I've been doing. Cassian's line there where it's like the, this is finally real for you. This has been real for me since I was six years old. I've, I've been doing this since I was six years old. Yeah. Yeah. Like this, this means more to me than it does to you just because right now is when you're feeling the impact of it like that. That's, that's a very challenging line. Yeah. Yeah. And it's to me is also part of why a little bit later, I don't feel like Jen's character totally makes sense <laughs> in terms of, in terms of choices, you have to make a movie where the big decisions made by your characters make sense to who they are as a character, mm-hmm. um, what you've known of them, what you've seen them do in the movie thus far, or what other characters have acted like they would do or would not do. And if it's a shock, then people should be shocked by it, or if it's not, they should be, you know, whatever. And so I'm going to kind of move out of Edu, um, going to Gavin 4 and pitching to the rebellion that we need to go and find these plans and having Jin be the one that's so adamantly adamantly spearheading this and is so um eager to lay down her life for this mission doesn't really make sense to me when the whole movie were told that she's a little too uh, rebellious that she you know she will run in the top of a hat k2so says it's like terrible idea to give her a blaster that she's probably going to use it on cassian and like all these different moments where you're like she's not bought in she's been running and hiding from this fight since saw dister and so what has happened to turn that around for her uh, i mean yeah your dad died so that's fine but you haven't been trying to save him you've been trying to run and hide so him being dead isn't really much different than what you thought like he could have been dead for all she knew already and so i'm I just think- like not sure what's pushing her there. 
I think I, I understand where you're at with that. I think for me, what kind of sells it for me is the fact that she realizes why her dad died. Yeah. And so she she has that moment earlier on where she's like, he could be dead for all I know. I don't care. And in her mind, it's just her dad was killed as another railroaded person by the empire. Yeah. At this point, it's her dad both lived for the last 15 years with her on his mind and lived for those past 15 years for the sole purpose of bringing down the Death Star. And so I think if you look at it in terms of her goal is less help the rebellion and it's more take down this thing that yeah. literally consumed my dad's entire life. That's it, where it kind of makes a bit more sense to me. Now I yeah. understand your point of her selling it to the rebellion. Like it almost may, it almost brings into question, is she being real when she says rebellions are built on hope and everything else? <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe not. They try to sell it like she's being sincere, but you never know. Yeah. I, I think that it would have made that a whole lot more clear if they, again, they just they don't have a moment to just breathe and let the characters like just do something for a second. All you need to do is have her and Cassian talking like before they have or her and whoever from the crew before they go to Yavin for to make this pitch about like why they need to do it and have someone like Bodhi be like, I don't want to do that, or someone you know Cassian anybody really just be like, I don't want to. That's crazy. That's suicidal. And her just have a moment of being like, I can't let my father's legacy end like this, or I can't yeah. let his mission fail now. Or just something, right? All you have to do is have her deliver an emotional, passionate speech, which she kind of does, but it's more like he comes across more like we can't let the empire win because they're gonna like kill everybody and they're bad and whatever else. When really her motivation makes more sense, as you said, if it's more geared towards her father, which they don't mm -hmm. do that in that Yavin Forsen, which is where I'm where I'm having a disconnect. I think, which maybe that's maybe that's the intent, but it's not coming through for me at least. I would also like to point out in this job and foreseen that the leading male role in the entire movie isn't there. And he is the head of rebel intelligence. Cassian's not in the room. Cassian's not in the room. I literally just rewatched that while you guys were talking to make sure. And I was like, I don't think he's in the room. Yeah. Behind the scenes. The, I was like, what is John doing on his phone? And her podcast here. Well, and she doesn't guy who could, who, could probably like sway the room was like no she's legit it's real yeah like nope not a bit not even there on a pee break eating a slim gym <laughs> that's so funny you say that because in my head she turns and looks at him before she says rebellions are built on hope but that's definitely obviously not actually yeah. what happens i don't know she has to look at something or somebody maybe it's like mon mothma or yeah, um, yeah. it's mon mothma oh, okay and it, or no, it's not even my Mothma. It's the uh, it's the other woman in, in the room that's like very strongly opposed against. Oh yes, yeah, yes. She, she's like, yeah. well, like, well, what are, what are we going to be doing? And then she's like, the rebellion gets built on hope line. Yeah. And then they say, well, too bad. Hope's not a good <laughs> enough currency to win. <laughs> not gonna work. But we'll say we can't we can't move on without honoring the best line in this movie and a top line in all of Star Wars. When Jennifer starts talking and someone, some random nobody way back in the back says, what is she proposing? <laughs> From like way back in the back. I, I guess one of the best lines in all of Star Wars. This is like, there's like, what the heck is happening? I'm not a part of this. Like, no, no, I'm not going to die for this. No. Some radar technician in the back. Just Matt. <laughs> Yeah, he just like lost it in that moment. So I was like, hey, man, you shouldn't even be here, man. <laughs> Go back. Go back to bed. Go, back. <laughs> yeah, he, he, Go get he some sleep. Go had, get some sleep. Go had, get some sleep. That's why he was so grouchy. That's why. That's why. So, okay. So, anyways, they 
get the crew together because there are enough people. And this makes sense to me. Cassian's speech here, and when he brings in the, whoever from the rebellion wants to go fight and wants to go ahead and break rank and go fight. His speech there, I think, is one of the better speeches in the movie. It's not the best speech in the movie, where he's saying, like, we've done, all this, we've done some bad stuff, and we've always been able to sleep at night because we've been able to tell ourselves that it was for this cause, a cause that we can believe in, a just cause. But if we don't see this all the way through, then what are we fighting? If we just give up now, and ultimately nothing was changed as a result of our actions, then what were the actions for? And was it worth it? And now there's all this doubt, all this doubt and questions of whether or not you can live with yourself for what you've done. Whereas if you come through it and you are actually able to see a significant blow to the empire or, brought, or have it brought down, then you can justify having done some of the negative things that you've done. So that, that whole speech I thought was really well uh, delivered and also it made sense character-wise why they would all want to go. Not sure necessarily why maybe Bodhi would want to go. He could be like, no, I, I did my part. I give you the message. See ya. <laughs> but I mean, Some, other, someone has to say Rogue One. Yeah. Other than <laughs> that, well, that someone, someone has to be the pilot. Yeah, that's exactly. He's the pilot. He's the pilot. I was going to bring that up before we get to the whole like final thing. And, and I haven't listened to the whole of the, the solo podcast you guys did, but yeah. we have to start getting better naming sequences for these movies. Yeah. It's awkward. Oh, so bad. It was, it was, that was cheesy. Han Solo was cheesy. And yeah, that was, yeah. that was, that oh, was yeah. the moment. That was the moment that took me out. It's like reading a book and you read the line that the name of the book is, or like you watching yeah. a movie and it's like, Oh, that's where they named it. Yeah. yeah that takes you must me have out hated the, the Hobbit. <laughs> <laughs> Every left and right, they won't stop naming them. They won't stop mentioning the name of the movie. Uh, which we we did we, we actually so this is going to be out of order behind the scenes stuff. But we watched the Return of the King. When when you the listener are hearing this, the episode will already be out for the Return of the King. But we watched the Return of the King last night, um, as of the recording of this episode, and that's a good example of when Gandalf says to Denethor, "You cannot. It's not. It's not given to you to." to, to deny the return of the king it mentions the name of the movie it's like so fluid and it works yeah, really done well. well it's like okay there we go that makes sense but it's not um, it's not specifically saying uh rogue ro- rogue what ro- rogue one yeah even if they just been like you're going rogue you can't leave or whatever i don't know just like there's you, a rogue one like i don't know like, like, God, it's just like it, they, i feel like you should just name it something totally different they don't need a call sign there's a get a name it like I don't know. Or just leave. Just name it just something. Leave. No, no, I mean like the movie. Oh. Name the movie something different. Because like without the the ship has to be Rogue One, or else why do you name the movie Rogue One? So just like name the movie something different. <laughs> I don't care what. <laughs> At this point, like that's our plans. That's the name of the movie. <laughs> sort of actress, you need to sleep. Yeah. yeah. It's like I don't even care. Borgle it. <laughs> it's just just give it a better name. So yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense, but uh, so we uh, the oh we we skipped over uh the the two best robots in Star Wars. Oh, see, they're being Yeah, yeah, just more, randomly more, being there, which is funny because you get uh over the PA you hear General Sandula being summoned, and then you see Chopper right yeah, in Chopper's the background. Which are two rebels characters that are one one mentioned and one you see. You also have the so that's part of the problem with the R2 and 3PO thing is you get Bale coming in last minute, right? 
Bail Organa. I yep. mean, for just a couple couple of moments in that in that moment in that Obi-Wan, scene, you get like, a reference to Obi Wan and to Leia because mm-hmm. he says yeah. you're going to give the plan. He says like, or Mothma says something like, "Give it to somebody that you can trust," and he says, yeah. "I would trust her with my life," and it definitely means Leia. So you get a nod you get to Obi Wan, Captain Antilles, Captain nod to, nod to Leia and nod to Obi Wan. You get Bail, then you get Syndulla, then you get uh, Topper. And then you get three PO and R two twice. It's just like holy cow, how many like <laughs> how many references in movies? And that's how that's inherent to Star Wars. Like you're in a movie, some of, like some of it's done really well. Like yeah. the Bale stuff, the yeah. Rebel stuff, and mentioning Obi Wan. He didn't say like you know Obi Wan. Like they didn't have to say his name. Like, they just, <laughs> they just, oh my god! <laughs> they can just mention his like oh your Jedi friend. Like that's fine. That's enough. And you need you know, but you don't have to make it this huge moment. Uh, unlike R2 and 3 did, did we skip over Krennic and Vader? Yes. We oh, did. we did. You probably mentioned that at some point. Yes. Oh, man. It's a good scene. I, in my like first memory of watching the movie, the choke on your aspirations line was much more emphasized in my head. Like he just says, Same. Be careful not, not to choke on your aspirations. Like very like even, yeah. evenly paced. But in my head, it was like, don't choke on your yeah, aspirations, aspirations. <laughs> he does not say it like that but it's a it's a cheesy line other, well, other than that a really good scene yeah i i do like that this is this was james earl jones last uh record or like last one that they brought him in for film or voice work um everything else they just had him read off well, uh, everything since then he's just read off a bajillion what's, lines what's been day. since then other than kenobi um we've had kenobi there's he's not uh, was he in Rebels after Fallen this Order, or before? Jedi Fallen Order. Fallen Order. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. yeah. Video, video game. I, th- I think he was in Rebels after I think this it was, in a couple I, times. I it was before, but I can't remember to be honest. Yeah. They might have recorded that at the same time. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. But yeah, it's cool. Pretty much if, if you hear his voice later in, in anything that we have in canon, it's just because they They've recorded a ton they, of yeah, stuff. They had him just read off words forever which i think has been mentioned on this podcast before but uh yeah they just read off a bunch of words and then they can splice it all together and make a sentence um with beautiful sound engineers because (laughs) i want to hear james earl jones for the rest of my life yeah um which is why i have him reading the new testament i was gonna say i i have also james earl jones reading the bible (laughs) nice it's there's moments where it's like this is straight mufasa and then there's like, nope, this is Vader. This is Vader, and That's I love it. <laughs> funny. So, um, are we good for going on to Scarif? I think so. So, we're in the third act of the movie. And this is where most of my notes come in. This is probably also my favorite part of the movie. Um, there's some things I don't love about it, but I mean, getting some of that stuff. But um, started off, they land, right? Because they have um, stolen a ship, a shuttle. They land. They have this plan. Right, uh, spread out do these different things, all cool, all cool, all good. And we haven't talked about it really yet, but it was really marketed as a war movie. And a lot of Star Wars fans that love this movie, like love it, like have it top two or three uh, in all of Star Wars, they see it as a war movie. And to me, it's like seventy five percent a spy movie, then like twenty five percent a war movie. Yeah. And I enjoy both of those aspects, but to me, it's not really a war movie all the way. It's like a little bit of both. And so that part especially is very much spy. And I enjoy all of that. Them getting undercover, um, Jenny Cassian having to go in and infiltrate everything. But before they leave, I'd have, this is like one of the most perplexing parts is when Baze turns to Jen and calls her little sister. 
And I'm like, what? She's known for a day. Like, if it was Chirrut, it would make a little bit more sense because Chirrut talked to her randomly and Jeddah called her over because she has the necklace. Chirrut and her have talked a few different times. I'm not sure that her and Baze have talked at all the whole movie. I, I almost want to rewatch it and see how, much, how, see how many times they talk because all of a sudden he's like, basically, you're like my little sister. And I'm like, what? Side note, this necklace that is straight up kyber crystal, yeah. how has she kept that yeah. while being in the imperial prison system? That's, that's true. Like, and and I'm I'm just saying this because we see kyber crystals when they break them out of the tanks uh, on Jeddah. Yeah, and they're like the same size. Yeah. So why would she still have this? They would definitely want that. Yeah, <laughs> like not to mention <laughs> it has to be worth a lot and a if, lot of money. Yeah, and if you're on your own at 16, you're probably going to sell that. <laughs> at least chip off a piece. Yeah, yeah just, you know, just 20 bucks. Chunk. 20, 20 bucks. bucks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, so I will say a lot of the great visuals come from this from this part of the movie. Uh, so set everything up for the listener here. Yeah, they come down in the shuttle, right? So Bodhi's going to stay with the ship. Um, Bays and Chirrut are leading the um rest of the rebels to kind of like spread out across this whole landing zone which is like a big fan shape like a semicircle across around the citadel so they're going to spread out and lay all these mines all around detonators whatever they're actually called um and then when when they get the signal from from cassian they're going to blow just like random spots to make it feel like there's this huge attack happening even though it's only a few a few people really. Um, and then K2SO, uh, Cassian and Jin are gonna infiltrate the Citadel to find the plans and get them out. And am I, am I, am I missing anybody or anything? Uh, nope. Bodhi just, staying. Yeah, just so. the, uh, the really like cheesy, oh, the manifest list is in this dark hole. You should both crawl down into this oh, dark yeah. hole for the manifest like, test. Oh, oh, you want to manifest? It's, uh, it's, it's down here. Come over here. <laughs> and then, I'm not, you know, I'm that, not felt, at all. that felt very Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. Oh, moment. yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. It's like yeah come on, right, right down here. Yeah. And, <laughs> and conveniently, both the uniforms fit perfectly. <laughs> uh, that's true. And Cassians probably should. The other thing I, know, I, know, that I noticed is they didn't have to do it this way. Like people that made the movie. So when it, it's an officer, two stormtroopers, and then whatever kind of trooper Jin takes the armor from, they go into the ship. So it's four people come in, which is totally believable that they, that they could take, take those four people. So they take them, get their uniforms, whatever. When they walk out, though, either, either when they walk in or when they walk out, you notice there are other stormtroopers like off the distance and an officer. So they'd have to, anyone that saw Cassian walk out in the officer's uniform would be like, he looks different. <laughs> and, not, and not even wonder where the other two stormtroopers went. Do they sit on board? They're finishing. It was a board. long they're, manifest. They, yes. they had to clear Very there was a there was a spill. They had to clear something up. Also, the <laughs> fact that they even say that we were diverted from Edu, like that it, should be a red flag. <laughs> yeah, that should be a big red flag. Like then if you're coming oh, from the Edu, place that was just lambasted by the re- rebellion. Yeah, like what? <laughs> Yeah, like it's just it's the kind of thing where like I think a lot of it this movie depends on how into it are you in the moment. It's like some of these things that we're mentioning now in the moment I don't even think about, but then when I yeah. analyze it later, like man, that doesn't really make any sense. That doesn't really make any sense. But you're when you're along for the ride, 
you're 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 in it. It doesn't really matter. Which Star Wars is really is really good about that. Like there are a lot of things in Rise of Skywalker that I'm like I for, I'll forgive it because I'm just enjoying the ride. Um, yeah. Even though I know it's not good, like, even though I know there are things that are bad that are happening, I'm like I don't care. I'm enjoying I'm enjoying the ride. So I think this is a good movie for that. If, however, as as what happened to me, my first couple watches, things happen to impede the ride for you, and you're not on the ride anymore. <laughs> Those things have to be really glaring holes. Like a Texas Roadhouse dinner that was a family emergency. <laughs> <laughs> Big old roadblock right there, guys. Oh goodness. So you've got. Um, so I mean, the, we've kind of covered the opening of the Scarif battle, the first wave, basically the first phase. First phase yeah. gets set up. They get in and they realize there's like stormtroopers everywhere. Uh, so the when the Rebel Alliance gets wind that they're on the ground attacking, um, they send back up. So them attacking and blowing up stuff drew out stormtroopers. And then them uh, sending in the X-Wings and then the fleet or part of the fleet um, further diverts their attention to help Cassian, K2, and Jin get where they need to go without being detected, which I think is very smart. It reminded me appropriately. I, I finished watching this movie last night. Um, at like I, I school let out, and I had watched it during my lunch, and I watched it in the morning before I school started while I was working, and then I finished school school day and finished watching the movie while I was working in my classroom, and then I went and watched Return of the King, and similarly to how um, there was a military tactic to draw out the stormtroopers, the Return of the King is a military tactic to draw out the orcs, so it's him and Frodo into the Mordor without any impediments. So kind of a, a neat little connection there that I thought was interesting to say the least, but um, probably not anything too like, like it probably wasn't like ripped off or anything because that's too random. It, um, it's just realistic. Cool, cool nod. Yeah, it is realistic. Yeah, it's realistic and keeps you in it. It's like, okay, we have reasons for these big militaries to fight. Yeah, and when, whenever there's a reason why your characters are like doing things that maybe they shouldn't be able to do, like, like giving me a reason to believe why they would be able to get away with this, why they'd be able to pull it off, is going to make it make me question a lot less. Whereas if there was like just crawling with stormtroopers, and I'm like, surely nobody notices that Cassian is not an imperial officer. <laughs> like clearly he's not. Like he has he has a goatee. He's like facial clearly hair. Clearly is not past the, also, the like, standards. You would assume any real officer on the base would know everyone else there. Like I don't know, maybe I'm wrong about that, but I would just assume assume that any officer would know all the other officers because there aren't that many of them. Well, and yeah. I mean he clearly has bedhead because he hasn't <laughs> slept. And then, and then on top of that, I mean he clearly hasn't had a shower in the same amount of days that he hasn't slept. So you got to be smelling them from a very sterile environment that it would be an imperial facility from a mile away. And that is why you'd only have a 35% chance of making it without an explosion. <laughs> Speaking of explosions, the, uh, the AT-ATs come in. It's a really cool moment. I really love them. Having them in there is, I love having the variation on the ones we see on Hoth. Um, that was I, a great little surprise. I, I do love Bay's firing the rocket launcher, hitting it. And then like the delay of like, did he get it? Oh no, we're screwed. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you know, having the three-pronged attack of everything happens in, in the sky, everything happens on the ground, and then everything inside the citadel. It's where you have this like espionage spy stuff happening in the citadel, then a ground battle like on Hoth, and then a space battle like you would have. It's kind of like indoor, right? So you have over yeah. indoor and then on actually on the moon. So 
Which don't they actually didn't they even use shots from some unused shots from the original movies? From a new hope. Or, yes. yes, from a new hope. Yes, yeah, with, and, the, with the X, the X wings. Yeah, and you yeah. can clearly tell which one that is. Yeah, but, which which actors? But that's yeah. so cool. It's that, super cool. That they pull that off. It is not super glaring. It's just that you can tell that actor is like not a person from two thousand and. Yeah. 16 or whatever like you're like yeah that guy's from the same <laughs> <laughs> he was born in 1955 <laughs> he looks like the cold war <laughs> <laughs> so it's just that's the only thing though other than that it looks great and the main general goal leader right he's got yeah, a, yeah, he's, he is a like, he's a great casting of someone that looks like they could be in the 70s but it's not i i remember when i first watched this movie when when he's flying around against the, are, are they called TIE Defenders? The I don't, I'm not sure. Yeah, but we, we get a new TIE Fighter, so that's cool. Yeah. That's always cool. But uh, what, I remember when he died, that was that was like the first sign to me that. Oh yeah. Oh no, there's a lot of them that aren't going to make it. Yeah. And and it was it wasn't the K2SO because K2O K2SO dies before him, mm-hmm. but I was like, yeah, hey, he's just a robot, and we don't see him anymore. That makes sense. And then that. That didn't click in my head that like we don't see any of these people anymore. Yeah, <laughs> and that was it. Was at that moment that I was like, "Oh no, something bad's gonna happen yeah. to him." I love that you see um, you see Red Five, which is Luke's call sign. Mm-hmm. So the moment you see oh Red Five, like oh he's doomed. <laughs> and then that, that guy's dying real fast. Oh, I never knew you. <laughs> he does die. He, he does die very fast. Uh, so that was, that was like a, a nice little moment for like the, the fans that have really watched the movie too many times. Um, <laughs> so thinking of X-Wings, like literally everything with his face panel, I adored. Like the capital ship stuff with the Star Destroyers and the Hammerheads and um, Admiral be, Radis's frigate. I, I think that's the best scene of the entire movie. It's, it's, it's pretty great. Yeah, The Hammerhead. The Hammerhead Corvette. Yeah slicing Through. one star destroyer with another yeah. into the stargate it I looks mean, so cool too just that whole concept is amazing yeah. and then, well in okay. the whole scene it's not just there to be cool like it yes. moves the whole thing along gets us closer to the end like yeah. it's a pivotal moment for sure for their mission to succeed yeah and uh the way they filmed the x-wing like dog fighting action is it's so, so good, good. Them, i had i had a note yeah. sorry no, you're fine i I had a note to that effect of like, we saw some new shots in Force Awakens. New style shots, yeah. This had even newer shots and all of them worked for me. Yeah, yeah, really cool stuff. Um, I don't know. I, I, it was cool to get both. So like you didn't just have X-Wings fighting in space. You had some of them coming through the shield and fighting on Scarif. Like, so you had so many different variations of like flavors right so like whatever you like about star wars unless you're just like yeah i mostly just like the force and then i'm sorry he's not really gonna have any jedi in it so sorry and he's not not a jedi he's basically a jedi before ada was a thing (laughs) (laughs) hey the force is with him we never see it with him him. but it is with him yeah it is with him he can't use it but it's with him (laughs) so (laughs) that that reminds are we at the point where we can talk about chariot dying uh Let's um let's hold off for a second. Yeah, maybe a okay. second. So okay. okay. Just a second. Just a second. I'm I'm cool with that. So before before we get to that, let's get to finishing up. Because right before everyone starts all sorts to fall apart, people are gonna start dying. We do get uh gin and cassium and K2SO getting to the vault. 
So let's, let's do that, and then we can get some of these deaths. Okay. So uh, part of why I say that is because one of the things that I never questioned, like, at all, but they clearly had two things. One, had you um, hear Galen say the word stardust, like, 15,000 times, just so that you would, <laughs> so you would get the fact that, like, oh, that's the one, as Jin realizes is the one. But also, how fortunate is it that this random, like, this really random nickname for his daughter also like by the definition of the word fits for the plans of the death star <laughs> it turns stars to dust i would also like to point out the fact that what if Jin didn't go and, go. The, and they just sit like oh, a speck up a, a random spy yeah. they're like, they're like well, <laughs> crap we don't know what it what, what the if, code would be yeah so like, if my mouth went old they're like yeah good idea Jin. We, we need to do this we have a crew don't worry like you're not really qualified for this i'm sorry but thank you for giving us the information cassie and will have their crew and they're like i have there's a million plans here <laughs> <laughs> take them all let's take them all <laughs> like, that would yeah that, that would not work so i didn't think about that either so that's a good point <laughs> okay so obviously everyone starts dying to me k2so's death is probably still the most um impactful yeah got wrenching impactful <laughs> whatever for me there's one that's close now um you know it, it used to be like him and then no one else really mattered to me which is very um cynical but it's just sad the <laughs> robot gets that well yeah i think that he gets i don't know it's, it's one of those tough things where like depending on how in on the movie you are you will be more or less attached to these characters. So what I was, what I was hitting towards earlier is that I got more attached to Baze and Chirrut this time than I ever have to the point where when Chirrut dies, um, it didn't like get me at first. Right? It hit me more than it had before, which wasn't a whole lot, to be honest. But when Baze's reaction to Chirrut's death and then when Baze starts saying, I'm one with the Force, the Force is with me. And he like, you know that he has fallen away from that path, that he has left that ideology that he is no longer a part of that that he's just with cheer it he's just to help, here to help cheer it so when cheer dying brings him back to like the right you know the jedi path or whatever not the the path of like believing in the force basically that like gave me chills in the watching the movie in my classroom <laughs> so that was a cool moment for me that i was like okay yeah like that's that that works for me thematically character wise that works for me uh just all around Baze's death for me is actually more impactful than Chirrut's. Really? Um, when, like, like you said, when he does that, and and there, I feel like there's some there's something to the to the effect that he's able to take out all the Death Troopers. Yeah. And all but one. I mean, yeah. I mean he, I'm sure that I'm sure that guy died because he yeah. has holding a grenade. So yeah. Well, he gets <laughs> shot and he and he drops the grenade. Yeah. As an effect, but uh, I would like to point out that Chirrut is able to dodge all these blast blaster bolts by just walking in a line yeah, just by walking in a line but i guess like he's it's got the, the power of the force the force was with him it's guiding him yeah but guess what it didn't guide him to the lever to pull the switch because yeah. <laughs> then he's, he's looking like for feeling it. all over it trying <laughs> to find it was like he is still dude. blind well, and, and i you know i feel like i should reference the fact that his whole character is based off ram coda from yeah. the force unleashed which that's really niche yeah um super super which <laughs> if, i'm glad they didn't make him ram coda just because that would have been weird yeah but like the that, that that's one thing that i'm just it like you, you go you go really far to show that he 
in the entire movie, they go very far to show that, you know, he's blind, but it, there's zero holdback whatsoever. And then he gets blown up because yeah. of it. I will say, I think that a big part of what makes it okay for me, which is, I'm not really much of an apologist for this movie. So this is a rarity, but I think what makes it work for me is that almost every, and I can't think, I'm trying to think of a moment right now. I have been since you started talking. Uh, I can't think of one where his blindness um, is mitigated by his abilities. And it's generally because his hearing. So like, is he, that's true. He realizes, like most of the time it's like his hearing is good enough that it doesn't really matter that he can't see, but he can't hear a lever. So true. (laughs) But um, so that works for me fine. Uh, For Baze's death, I've said it before. So if somebody, um, if somebody has heard me talk about Rogue One, you've probably heard me say this. So I'm sorry, but it has to be on the record. Everyone except for KJOSO, it's a part of the Rogue One group, dies from an explosion. And it just bothers me a little bit. Uh, it's just a silly thing that I'm like, you chose the ways in which each of these people would die as a writer or whatever, whoever decided all this. And you chose an explosion every time. So KJOSO gets shot a bunch of times. That's how he dies, right? Cassie gets shot by um, Krennic once. And he's totally fine. Not really totally fine, but he seems pretty fine. He climbs he, up. He full on ex machina's back into the shot. Well, he also like he, <laughs> takes out he climbs that ladder, but also I didn't realize it before. But like Jin has to time that little like uh, jump. the jump that like seals, it, like closes. There's like a little gate that like closes. Why is that not closed? Just like jump up and then pull himself through. So he had to use his arms to pull himself through and probably his um, like his uh, chest muscles. But he just got shot in the chest. <laughs> so that's pretty miraculous but um he's is shot but then his, his death is the the blast the explosion of the de- uh, death star Jin also dies same same way explosion there Bodhi gets a random grenade thrown in which i don't mind that in on the surface because it's like war is just like chaos and random things happen and you die random ways so that's totally fine uh Jirit, again like the, he, the console gets shot it explodes so explosion Bay's getting shot a couple of times, two or, three, two or three times, but what kills him is the grenade explosion exploding. So it's like, come on. The fact that not only do they all die of explosions, but the fact that two of them die from the same type of explosion yeah. being grenades. Grenades, yeah. Also, the the guy that blows up uh Brody, he's just he's just chucking a grenade grenades around, yeah. In into a ship that clearly has someone in an imperial uniform in it yeah like yeah they never determined that's friendly like, fire bro what are you yeah, doing they never, <laughs> nobody ever said oh hey that ship is the problem like these rebels could have yeah, come there's no from way anywhere they and because they spread it and they stay like spread out right so yeah they didn't know where that which ship they came in on necessarily unless, they, unless they did it behind the scenes but like in the in this in the in the world of the movie you were never told that so yeah. i don't know they just killed brody to kill brody 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 Bodhi. Bodhi. Well, I've been saying this wrong the entire podcast. Oh, boy. That's why they need name tags on their uniforms, <laughs> like in the but U.S. military. The but he had a stolen uniform. Yeah. And Bodhi would just say pilot. <laughs> the pilot. Yeah. So I will say, after, I mean, kind of hit all the major things so far in the action scene before we get to like post all their deaths 
Um, my last big point or note, whatever, was I'm super thrilled they didn't have Cassian and Jin kiss. I actually didn't. I remember. had that note. Yeah, had yeah. that note as well. I didn't remember. I didn't remember if they did or didn't. I was like, I was like, I've been enjoying this this watch of the movie more than I probably ever have. So please just don't ruin it with a kiss here, because like it make it would make absolutely no sense. Like them being like embracing in terms of like we have went through this horrific thing together. Um, we know we're gonna die together, so we might as well be like embracing. But like, there's no reason for them to be romantic. Yeah. Yeah. No reason at all. So I like they don't go there. Well, she's probably still thinking he was literally about to shoot yeah. my dad. Yeah. Like <laughs> he had a scope on him. He yeah. was gonna go. Yeah. Well, and like I felt like the fact they didn't go romantic makes it more emotional. It gives yeah. it gives the ability for the Endor series for him to have a love interest. Yes. Uh, without making it weird in this one that like yeah. the girl he's known for a day is like, like somebody love his life. Yeah, and so like I loved I loved how they didn't fall into those tropes, and I also liked I loved the choice that the Death Star didn't hit the whole Scarif base accurately, like yeah. It goes through Krennic basically, just Which, melts that him. Is ridiculous. Yeah, that, but that was unneeded but awesome. But it, it goes through it's such poetic justice. And, and <laughs> it really is. The, I, I love the fact that that we do get to see that scene where Krennic's like struggling to look up to because he knows what's happening yeah. and he knows that his real enemy, which is Tarkin, yeah. has actually got the best of him. Yeah, it is just like it's it's a lot too too much <laughs> for me they did like literally talking wasn't just like fire at scarab he's like no where's galen we're not galen where's where's, where's, Krennic? where's orson at it's fine orson <laughs> aim right at him how Smoking. how target how accurate is this being let's find out <laughs> like, make sure that man's dead <laughs> there will be no doubt so it just it, it's fine. Like you, you could watch this movie. I think multiple times and never, never actually notice that it goes through him because yeah. it just through the general area where he's at. But like it obliterates that area because it's a freaking Death Star <laughs> laser beam. Like yeah. So I mean, it went through him also as a part of as a course of going through that entire platform uh, where Jen was earlier and Cassian was earlier. So yeah, it just. It is very poetic justice, though, to be like, I mean, it would have been anyways, though, is the thing. Like, even if it didn't hit him, and it just it, hit, it like, would still. It, he dies at, at the hand of his own weapon, which is still going to yeah. be poetic. So mm-hmm. you don't need to go that far. It is it is very, very silly and funny. So, you know, I understand if people were like, oh, this is fun, whatever. It's just goofy. Um, for me, it was I liked that they much, didn't. But... I liked it in the fact that they didn't focus on it. Yes. But it catching like, it. If it had been like him looking up at the sky as the beam comes towards the camera. <laughs> Sean Bean in uh, oh no that would have been it's like Sean Bean when the satellite collapses on him yeah 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 where like you get his point of view shot looking up and it's like you only see his green (laughs) okay no but yeah it's like it's it's very pulled back so you know that's why I said it it, I wouldn't be shocked if someone listening to this had just never caught that before because it's not like super obvious yeah um so. Anything else before we just jump ahead to the, basically the end of the movie? You get the Death Star plans get sent up to uh, Radis, who then obviously we take him away to uh, the Tanta V4, which I'm learning as of the last like year that is Tanta V4, not Tantive 4. It is Tanta V4. Like I have double checked because I was so mad because it made no sense to me that it would be Tanta V. It's 
is tangent. That angers me. I know, me too. <laughs> me too. Every audiobook I've ever listened to is wrong. Is this tangent? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's tangent me. I don't know why. Because from my understanding, in terms of it just being an English word, which it, which it is not, so that's fair. Uh, it should be tantive, but it's not. It's tantive. So before, right before we get to that, yeah, I loved how they did the whole Cassian and Jindai, like everything's exploded. We get another one of those beautiful shots, yeah. those space shots of yeah. the aftermath of that explosion and everything, and then the Death Star. Yeah, and like first watching the movie, I had no preconceptions that darth vader was in this at all and everything else that comes after yeah so like i'm watching it and i'm like wow that's a really beautiful ending yeah. and then it keeps going and i'm like oh what is this oh, cool. like, yeah. so that like just first time watching it that moment like you get so much emotion in one yeah. moment and then they take just a second to dwell on it with this beautiful scene yeah and then they give you the ending of it all yeah. so I, I thought that that little like i mean it's probably three seconds worth but yeah, i thought that was really well done which personally i would have loved to have had a little bit more of that to see the aftermath um but instead we got a minute of saw breathing through a oxygen mask <laughs> <laughs> yeah so there's that i there's a whole thing with so obviously we have the vader thing going on so uh trying to get to that in terms of making sure not skipping anything else but that's like the big except the one thing you want to skip over which is what princess leia oh well that, that's <laughs> the very 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 end. yeah um, we haven't really talked about Tarkin and, and the effects there overall they're they're fine they're pretty good they're, they're not great they're i wouldn't even fault someone for saying they're they're bad to be honest but they, they're they don't fine. pull you they're out fine, of the for, they're fine for me um yeah i don't think they pull me out of the movie so um but you get to we get so the plans go up to the Radis. They get, you know, transferred across. Vader has to jump in and, and, and stop them, right? So we get this scene with Vader. Um, obviously, this is an incredible scene. There's really nothing to say about it. And I'm just like, this is something that probably most Star Wars fans never thought we would get to see ever, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, it was, it was an unexpected, like, not led up to, not even really hinted at moment in this like i fully would have been fine had they ended it and we had just the vader scene of him and krennic i still would have fully had like wow they brought vader in in a really cool way having this with him and i understand like that you can have opinions of like where it was placed or whatever else yeah. but having the scene was so unexpected i thought it was cool just to have him in there in this way even when tarkin because somebody asked tarkin basically should we target with the death star target the fleet to make sure they don't need the plans. He's like, no, Vader's going to handle them. That to me felt like, oh, that's a nod to a new hope because that's what yeah. happens in a new hope. Yeah. I still didn't expect to see Vader again yeah. at that moment. So they do a great job of like not totally revealing where they're going, which that's kind of, uh, to me at least, is a, is a big secret on how to do fan service really well. It's not let it like be like this huge, like, ooh, look at this thing. Don't you, isn't that really cool? Drawing like drawing your attention to it in a way that drags it out. Um, this one was like, oh, they're, they're actually going to do this. Okay, cool, let's do it. Uh, it was like a surprise. So I will say, for me, the only detraction I have with the Vader thing is actually nothing to do with the Vader, with, with the Vader scene, but it has to do with the reception to the Vader scene. I think 
so many people have the Vaders have Rogue One as a super like this is a top. I've heard heard people say it's number one, number two, number three in all of Star Wars. And I think that a big reason why people do that is because of this one scene. And uh, there's a, a YouTube video I, I watched that was talking. This is like years ago. I was talking about Rogue One and basically comparing it to the Phantom Menace, and not in terms of equal quality, but in terms of people walked out of the movie theaters of Phantom Menace with like that movie is amazing. That was so good. North Mall is so cool. That fight scene at the end was amazing. And they got this like high off of how good scene. that fight scene was. And I think the same thing happened with Rogue One where people walked out of that movie like, oh my God, that Darth Maul scene, no, not Darth, Darth Maul, Darth Vader scene <laughs> is one of the best scenes of all of Star Wars. And I like, I would not argue against that, but you're letting that like rose-colored glasses the whole rest of the movie, I think. So that was part of where I was like, people are just walking out like these huge, like grand, play, uh, grand uh, statements about how great this movie is based off of like a minute and a half. It's a great minute and a half. But it's a minute and Yeah, and I think I think the other thing that spurred that on, I was just trying to think back to like the timing of when this came out and everything. It was just a year after Force Awakens. Yeah, it was a year after Force Awakens. Force Awakens hadn't had, I mean, all you had was Vader's helmet, yeah. you know, and it, and the people that were in that, none of them were. I mean, you had Han Solo, his death, all of that, but like you hadn't really Spoilers. seen. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> I haven't gotten to that episode yet. <laughs> podcast hasn't gotten there yet but like you had you had all that going on and so for this to be again this is the second thing disney's done it is so different from force awakens yeah and then to have something i I thought it was great and then to have that at the end i really see just like just like with phantom menace it was the first thing done since the originals like all of that i feel like you had a lot of that where then a lot of people walked back their opinions of rogue one and i feel like it, it it I mean, for me, not getting too much into where it falls for me, yeah. it falls as a very solid, different direction yeah. that Star Wars took and did it mo- more successfully than not for me. Yeah. But I'm totally with you that, like, if you just take that one scene, yes, one of the best scenes in yeah. Star Wars, but it so doesn't great. mean the whole of the movie. Yeah. Like, you put that scene, like, if, if you just played Borgullet and then that scene, people would have a totally <laughs> back to back. different opinion. <laughs> It's like it's like uh, the Vader scene is like a fever dream in Bodhi Rook's uh, mind from, <laughs> because of Borgola. It's his nightmare about Vader. <laughs> nightmare fuel. So he's uh, every rebel trooper. Yeah. So for me, I also we have to. I think it's important to also mention the fact that we talked about how there's some reshoots and like uh, some major editing done to the end of the movie. So to my understanding, best of my knowledge, what was what was changed was. The fact that the rebel, the Rogue One, not, not the Rebel, sorry, that Rogue One, all of the crew of Rogue One. I would just like to point out that wasn't an audible gasp that there, there was edits. That was just me yawning. John is just, really <laughs> bored. I'm so tired today. <laughs> He's like, I hate Star Wars. Why are we talking about Star caffeine. Wars? I'm really sorry. He really just needs to sleep some more, you I know? Just need more sleep. <laughs> So this was brought to you by Sir Demet. This is, this is why he's been talking about sleep so long that he's been yawning the entire podcast. Get your sleep number bed now. Anyways, so they changed the end of the movie. The original cut of the movie had Vader on the ground, boots on the ground, and Scarif killing the Rogue One crew, which I would have loved. Apparently, it didn't test super well, and they were afraid that it would make it like less family friendly. Like obviously, it wouldn't change the rating to from it's already PG 13, that wouldn't be yeah. an R rating. But like, 
if you're a family, do you really want to see Vader like slaughtering your heroes? Like probably not. Like if you're a mom and you're like, I don't want my kid to see that, but maybe. Um, I, I feel like if you do that, sure, it has to be a, uh, a fallen Jedi at that point. Does he count? Or, or, or maybe Vader thinks he is, but that's why he's yeah. doing it for him. Yeah, well, that, uh, that, or you could just change it to make it. That's why yeah. he's down there. Yeah, like okay. The the only person in the crew that can kind of like go at odds with him would have to be. He's no lightsaber, so you give him a lightsaber. You're saying, yeah. Well, I think like, I think you just it's make it broken into his staff. Yeah, Ooh. you can just make it the way that it is now, though, where like no one has a chance against him as it is in the, in the scene. So they just get slaughtered so fast. But the thing is, like, that's a real rough end for your protagonists that they just get like mowed over by vader in like a two-minute scene that being so, said i would pay so much money to hear k2so's one-liners while well, getting while fighting vader i don't know like, if he i don't oh, think no. I, would, I would assume his ending didn't change like well yeah i'm dying now yeah <laughs> i would assume his ending didn't change but the rest of them probably because like the original cut of the movie basically had jen getting the plans because there's trailers you can still go watch with her running with that thing that she has clipped to her back on yep. her hip running across scarif and so I would assume Vader lands and confronts them there. And somehow they get the plans off. Maybe they go back to the ship and put them in the ship. And the ship has a strong enough signal to get them to the Radis or whatever. To Radis is not, not the Radis, but Radis is ship. Radishes. Um, yes. So whatever the plan was, I don't know exactly, but they were supposed to die on scare. So maybe it could have been several scenes and just one minute and a half, two minute scene. Could have been like a minute here, a minute there, him finding Maze and killing them, him finding. Cassian and Jen killing them. But that, that to me, I think would have been I, really cool. I forgot how big of a deal it was that people were like, well, where was that scene? That, yes. That scene that was in, in the trailer. Like, well, I, it was I like several. Forgot. Yeah. Yeah. See, I, I liked, forgot about that. I liked the fact that, because there was, I slightly remember like before the movie came out, and this is kind of off the Vader subject, but before the movie came out, them talking about, oh, Disney's going to introduce all these characters and then kill them off, which is a very difficult thing to do and make them like emotionally present. And the fact that they did it and like you got to some of those scenes and like, I'm, I'm with you. I was, I was one of those people that was like, well, wait a minute, where's her staring down the TIE fighter on top of the tower? Where's yeah, like yeah, this yeah. or whatever that I, I'd spent, you know, like weeks leading up seeing these things, <laughs> you know, really I was just into that trailer. <laughs> so like, I, I liked that fact or that piece of it. I'm almost on the opposite side where if you, if you have Vader too involved with these characters down on the planet it almost it almost makes this less of a having it so separate like you finish out the story of these rogue one characters and then it's your fan service yeah i feel i feel a bit better about that yeah because it's like okay i've now i've finished out the emotion i've had the three seconds of space time between them and their deaths and the emotion and then you get back to hey this is not a standalone movie. This is happening within the universe of the other movies you already yeah. know and love. Yeah, it does kind of, like, what you're kind of getting to there is it does kind of bring it into, here's the end of Rogue One, and now here's, like, a five-minute prelude to New Hope. Right? Yeah. So that's, that's, if that's the goal, that's effective, I think. So I, I almost wonder if, uh, I almost wonder if one of the main reasons they did a lot of these recuts is because of James Earl Jones. Because you can tell yeah, he's not that, very... that this movie is 40 years after when he originally <laughs> played this film. Like it, his voice is like, I don't want to say distorted, but like you can tell there's old age there. Yeah. And I wonder if him trying to, to do that voice work for 
you know, a lot more scenes because he doesn't, he doesn't even speak in the, in the hallway at all. Like it's just Vader being Vader. And I, I, I want, I wonder if that has some impact to it. I would think it might. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I think the other thing too, though, to it is like, how do you keep the fact that Vader's in it out for as much if, if he's killing these characters off and everything else, like I feel like this works really well in this movie because he's not pivotal to the movie itself. He's not pivotal to the story you've spent two and a half hours on. He's pivotal to the next story. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's the the world around it. So like it makes him being there for a new hope makes sense very well. Well yeah, yeah. Especially because they had, you know, the Russian nesting doll tent of four inside (laughs) the the radish ship. The radish. I liked that because that the scene where it pulls out and like yeah. shoots yeah. away there are a couple of scenes and a couple of uh, clone wars episodes that have very similar scenes of a ship in the underbelly of another ship dropping off and taking and going away so i really does, i and, liked that and then it does the reverse like 10 minutes later in a new hope just gets just gets enveloped okay so i think we're probably ready for like overall thoughts scores i've realized that i'm not remembering like all my past scores on movies i've probably given like all the prequels and solo and rogue one like sixes and sevens like all of them <laughs> so I, I think i did give one of i think i'm no i guarantee i know i didn't give clones a six or a seven no, that's you, the, you that's the one. five you were you were at a a three you were at a three yeah and then you then we bumped you up to a five so i probably will um go back when we finish rise of skywalker and just like rank them or something and and just like kind of lay it out but for now this this viewing i would say it's a solid seven um and the way i generally look at movies is like sixes and sevens are inconsistent movies where i like and dislike certain things five and less is usually pretty bad um which so it's kind of like the uh, our our education system of grading where like half the scale was just for bad stuff which is not really weighted like it's not proportionate but whatever so for me like eight nine ten those are all really good movies and then seven's like eh. so like the things i don't love about this movie as i've said um but i am starting to come around on a lot of things that i maybe didn't before or uh, fully fully appreciate things that i've always liked just kind of getting it more solidified so i'm probably like, around a seven it's also probably around seventh on my list of star wars movies which seems pretty low but like it just there's so many good star wars movies for me it's hard for me to be like what's it better than i wouldn't fault someone for having it a little bit higher i would think i would say it shouldn't be higher than like maybe fifth i don't know um fourth maybe fourth or fifth i would be understanding of um but if you just like adore this movie i guess you'd have it higher than that but uh for me it's probably like seventh in my like overall rankings of all 10 10 11 11 stars movies so that's where i'm at uh john what about you so as we all know um i loved attack of the clones and i gave it a 7.8 um i can't remember what i gave 
Uh, Caleb so, is just like infuriated right now. I just um, was clearly not he didn't that. listen to that episode. Seven point eight. Bad listener. I, I listened to about I listened to half of that. I did not get to the end where you because gave it the seven point eight. Trash in your opinion. <laughs> in your, I, I guess agree. what your opinion's invalid, no. sir. <laughs> but I I can't remember what I gave Solo. I'm wanting to say it was a seven, maybe a seven point five. Um, I think this is right in that right in that i'll split the difference say 7.6 because rogue one i think is better than solo um but definitely not better than attack of the clones so um you know the hot take there but yeah yeah uh i i it's a great movie uh i i think it's a phenomenal film um i as we know i've watched it like over 10 times it's one that i'll just throw on disney plus just because it's great it's in They've got the Dolby Cinema Edition. I mean, you can't go wrong. Um, I I love it. Again, as much as I've probably been making the most jokes and wisecracks about this film, uh, I think it's fantastic. Um, I love everything about it. I I have flip-flopped back and forth on my preference, Solo Rogue One, Solo Rogue One. And I was solo before we rewatched Solo. I was still solo when we rewatched Solo. I think I'm Rogue One now after watching Rogue One. I think I think Rogue One's better. I I like Solo uh, more because or well not not this sorry let me rephrase this. <laughs> Solo is so good. I love the story and I love the fact that it's a heist and a western at the same time. Yeah. Um, it's very different than Rogue One. But the space battle in Rogue One just elevates it up to another like it it makes it, it makes so much more forgivable because of how beautiful. Yeah. those shots are I, I and, and the shots are just farting on way better in rogue one than they are in so oh i think overall the visuals yeah. are better yeah yeah okay caleb um so i was pretty strongly like for this movie i really enjoyed it i thought like just thinking back to the time period when i first watched it when it first came out like being the second thing disney did and everything and then going back to it now and it's still being a very strong showing of a movie um i definitely give it i'm a pretty much a solid eight with it it's yeah. a pretty high one for me i would say if we're ranking like in terms of where it would fall it'd probably be like fifth for me on movies um as john my reaction to john probably tells you i'm not a prequels fan sequels i'm back and forth on you know so like this one this one falls really strong for me and in terms of it versus solo i know i wasn't in all of that oh, yeah, discussion for, for the podcast but i kind of rate it higher because it doesn't rely on a known character to give its story yeah and solo solo like you wouldn't solo was very very good but it relied on Han Solo to kind of be the crux of the movie. This one basically like it didn't have really any really heavily known characters yeah. in it until the very, very end when yeah. you get both Darth Vader and Leia. But I mean, you have like C-3PO and R2 are in the background. Like they're not, yeah. they don't like walk up and say anything. You have Mon Mothma and those types, but they're, they're not, Already Those background like, characters. They're already background characters, yeah. So not in the foreground of this entire movie do you have, I mean, maybe besides Tarkin, but again, your main enemy is Krennic. So yes. I, I liked it for the fact that this was one of the one of the first times, because Force Awakens was a lot of redone things and not getting into all of that, but it, it was a lot of redone things. This was one where it was a lot of new things, some of which didn't work, 
but it was a lot of new things that overall they did very well with. Yeah. So for all of that, I, I really enjoyed this and it's definitely, it's a solid eight and awesome for me. Yeah. I'm just at the place now where I'm like, I'm just trying to find ways to like all of Star Wars. <laughs> and <laughs> I tried, that was part of why I started with the prequels with this whole thing. And I was like, yeah, it's, it's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> like, I appreciate I appreciated certain you're trying more. to be John yeah I, it's just not gonna work you just can't do it man. Not, not with everything not with everything and, and there are certain things that I do really love about the prequels there's just so much that I just can't I can't I, can't. I feel like Star so, Wars could make Darth Vader all pink and John would still love it I'd be in for it he fell in a vat of Pepto-Bismol and he just stained his some, some, someone washed his uniform with a red sock it'd be the coolest <laughs> Maybe the coolest pink villain of all time. It's just like him and Tarkin walking around in pink for yeah. the whole movie and mad. So no one taking them seriously at the Death Star restaurants. <laughs> so we didn't actually time this intentionally this way, but Cassian's coming out this week. So we're gonna get three episodes of Cassian. Um we're gonna just take a couple seconds here real quick before we head out of here to um I'm really excited for the for the show. I didn't really, when it was first announced, I didn't seem to really care. Uh, I didn't really, I was like, I don't really know why I should care about this. This is like a character that's dead already. And I didn't really love the character. I like the character a little bit more now, given that I I liked it more on this rewatch. So I'm, I'm a little more interested now. Also, the trailers both looked really good and they didn't use the volume at all. So I, I'm a big fan of the volume. and It looks really great, but they didn't use it at all. And so we're getting more real sets and kind of that feel you got from The Force Awakens, I think what we're going to be seeing more which i'm excited for so i'm super excited for we're gonna get three episodes in a couple of days so from this from when you're listening to this not from when we're recording but from the listener's point of view um john you need just quick thoughts on on uh cassian uh, and or and or and or so um i think this movie or show sorry not movie <laughs> i think it's gonna be amazing um i think we're riding on a really big star wars high right now after kenobi. kenobi um yeah it's it's going to be hard to pull the fan base down, I think. Yeah. Um, from the high that we're on from that final episode of Kenobi, because it was so amazing. Um, I love the fact that they didn't shoot anything on the soundstage like they do for Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett. Uh, I think that is just so cool. Yeah. Um, I was reading, an, I was reading an article the other day about how the director made the whole cast and crew hike for five hours in scotland um up a mountain for a five minute shot and then they all hiked back down awesome. uh i'm so hyped for this show <laughs> they've clearly put a lot of work into it yeah for sure um cast is great too also just the whole opening of the uh of the of the credit or not the credits but the uh the trailer with the dude with the hammers and uh the bell, and the bell. i think that's super cool and i'm just ready <laughs> all right Caleb? <laughs> yeah, I think uh, my focus is even less on Cassian and more Cassian, however you say it, uh, more on the just the backdrop of yes. early days of the rebellion yes. on the live action away from there being a Jedi involved. Sure. We really haven't seen that very often, even in Rebels. Yeah. We haven't seen that very often. And from the looks of it, there's not really a Jedi or any of that kind of stuff involved. This feels yeah. like normal people on the ground taking on the Empire, which we get a lot of in Rogue One, especially at the beginning and some of these characters. But this is like really fleshing out what did that look like for people that had no special abilities like the Force or anything to help them. Yeah, it's a great... Um 
Great point. And that, that's going to be a cool new little wrinkle to add to the universe. So Caleb, my final question for you, is this going to be the show that you introduce your brand new daughter to for her first Star Wars experience? <laughs> I feel like that could be a whole podcast episode of how do you how how should we introduce because I mean Dave, you've now, got Ezra yeah. how do, how do you how do we introduce them to Star Wars? There's so like, much. I think it's just a new hope, man. I think you guys yeah, are, I, mean, I don't know. You could do more kid friendly stuff, but like it's usually not as good. Yeah, it's just like hook them with a new hope. Wait till you feel like it's appropriate, whatever age that is. Yeah, and I think it's, I think and I think it's just different for different kids. I don't think it's like. It has to be 12 across the board. I think it's just some kids, maybe nine or 10, some kids, maybe 12. Like, I don't know, but whatever age we feel like, I think just going to new hope and, and just pray to God that he likes it. <laughs> Whereas you got Caleb over here. He's his daughter is racing the new Lord of the Rings show and, 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 or to figure out which one we're going to watch first. Yeah. Well, Lord of the Rings is coming out first. So probably that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. So uh, I think it's time to head out of here. But um, for sure, thanks to both Caleb and John. I had a really good time. I the the chemistry did not disappoint. So a good time. John, what can we say? We're here to entertain. <laughs> <laughs> and and John needs to get some sleep. So we're gonna head out of here. We Ready will we will be doing Force Awakens and the sequel trilogy pretty soon, I believe. No promises, but that's the next Star Wars thing on the plate. So look forward to that. And with that, we will see you guys next time. Laters. See ya.